the president of Florida State and others have indicated going into that meeting today that this is when they're going to make the call. Obviously, the Pac-12 and the Big Ten made their call. The ACC, the SEC, and the Big 12 earlier this week were like, well, we're going to kind of keep an eye on this. Word before they went into that meeting via the Florida State president, and Florida State had their own uh, share of issues today, but he said they're making the final call. So if we get anything on that, certainly within this hour on this show, when Wes and I are chatting later this hour, we'll certainly let you know and could be getting our first reactions to it. And I feel like we've discussed both angles of this inside and out. But when it's still hanging out there, when there's still the possibility, you're telling me there's a chance. I don't know if this is quite a Lloyd Christmas million to one. You're telling me there is a chance because it feels certainly the odds are better than that. But anything could happen when 15 college presidents, the decision makers, get together medical advice and everything thrown on the table. As many have said before, things happen at deadlines. And if this is the deadline we will certainly let you know about that. And uh, on that note, I'd like to keep you guys updated with what's happening with the show. So I, I know I'm off next week. Next week is kind of my final summer vacation, and then we'll kind of hopefully lock in for a normal fall sports schedule. Not that anything's normal these days, but kind of getting into, into the swing of things. So I know I'm off next week. I may be here tomorrow. It all depends on what develops here and what the decision is and kind of where everything goes. Uh, so tomorrow we're, we're kind of leaving as a floater day. I may or may not be here if I know that answer to that question before we get off the air at 6 o'clock. I'll certainly let you know. But uh, tomorrow, not so sure if things are, are happening and there's a lot to discuss, then I want to come in and do a show. If not, uh, I'll see you after vacation. But I know I will be off next week, So just so you guys know. All right, so we're, we're keeping an eye on that, certainly. But one question that I have. This being a town that certainly keeps a close eye and is passionate about college basketball, what are the lessons that the decision makers in college basketball are learning from the mistakes made by their football brethren? Because as it is well known, as it is discussed, as we are all familiar with, it is football that drives the bus, it is the finances of football, it is that sport that clears the path and all the other sports are financed by it. There are exceptions to that rule in certain places, like Syracuse, New York. Like Syracuse basketball is not fully dependent on Syracuse football to fund it. It helps the money that comes from being a member of the ACC and football and the television money from that. But if Syracuse basketball was like its own entity of some sort, right? Like they'd be okay. The money they make, the profit, the we're in a COVID era now, so this is going to be harder to do in the near future. But all things considered, Syracuse basketball can stand on its own. Duke can stand on its own. Kentucky can stand on its own. But that list is short of college basketball programs that are profitable, that could stand alone, and don't need football, essentially. right? But football still funds athletic departments on a whole. You don't need me to tell you this. You know this, right? So here we stand here on August 13th, and... It's still in flux. We know these leagues are not playing. We're trying to see what the others do. If they do, what's your plan? The unknowns are the big factor here. Unknowns about long-term damage that COVID could cause for cardiac issues, brain issues, 
long issues, how it spreads, what's going to happen when the students come back on campus, right? Like all these questions that we don't have the answers to, that we're about to find out the answers to in this grand experiment. One way or the other, if they, let's say ACC presidents come back and say they're not playing, well, there's still going to be students on campus in the fall. They do have the option to do it virtually if that's what they choose, but across the ACC, there's still going to be college students doing college on campus, which is an it's it, it shouldn't be an entirely different discussion. They are student athletes after all, right? But that lie, that facade, that whole they're just mixed into the general college campus, that's always been a lie. That's always been something that I mean, they go to class, they're college students, but we know this whole like, oh, they're just regular students who happen to play a high profile sport. Uh-huh. Yeah, not the case, right? So that's all going to be answered in some way, no matter if they play sports or not. If they play football or not. And the sense we had going in was that the ACC, the SEC, and the Big 12 seemed bound. In, we know the Big 12 is. They announced it yesterday, their new schedule, their testing procedures. Like they're, they're plowing ahead, which gives the ACC and the SEC kind of the green light to do it if they choose. And that's what I'm expecting, but... These days, you got to leave the window open for everything. So we shall see. I think what we can say without a shadow of a doubt, as we talk here on 5.07 p.m. on August 13th, is that there is a devoid of leadership in college football. There's no central entity that made the call on this. The, the fractured nature of the sport showed itself. The Power Five was supposed to be united. They were supposed to have this united front, announce testing procedures, whether they're playing or not, schedules, all together as one. But when you're talking about, what is that, 65 school presidents, athletic directors, the media that covers them, everything, that's impossible to have that kind of unity from that kind of group. They're united when it benefits them in certain ways, but in this case, with different pockets of the country dealing with different positive rates of coronavirus and it just never felt like that was possible that's always been the complication of college sports versus an nba and nhl a professional sport that can streamline the process right we knew that we're seeing that in real time but what i think we've seen with noted exceptions but what we have seen is what have you guys been talking about the last and gals for that matter what have you been talking about the last five months how can we be here on August 13th, even with the unknowns of the virus and the data that you're you're trying to use to make smart decisions on this, even with that on the table, I, it just kind of feels like that scene from Ghostbusters. Get her. That was your whole plan, huh, Ray? It, it, they didn't have plan B, plan C, plan D. They're figuring out as they go along. And that's frustrating. It's frustrating as a fan. That's frustrating as somebody who works in sports and is kind of tied to the hip to this. You have to be frustrated with it. But nowhere near how frustrated the coaches and players directly involved in it are. Okay? All right. So can we all agree that they kind of screwed the pooch on this? Right? No matter what the ACC presidents come out with here, if they go ahead and, and try and do this, look, someone's going to be dead right about this, and someone is going to be just spot-on wrong about playing football. I think that's 
a black or white issue. I don't think there's a lot of gray there. We're going to find out if these leagues go ahead, who's right and who's wrong. It's not going to be one of those, hey, you're both kind of right. Here's my question. What is college basketball, which is a lot more teams, a lot more leagues, a lot more layered, and is so dependent on one central event, what are they doing? See, here's the difference. The NCAA has been pretty absent from this conversation. They're going to make a big decision about eligibility and maintaining scholarships tomorrow. We'll see what that is. But for the most part, they've been a joke. The lights have barely been on. They've been sending out tweets once in a while. Hey, look, we made a hotline. Hey, look, here's some suggestions. You should wash your hands and you should socially distance. And Great, thanks, we got that. The NCAA, don't even get me going on that. But they've been a joke through this. Now, here's a big difference. As we've seen in college football, as we've seen with the Power Five, you ever notice something when you watch the college football playoff? I've mentioned this a couple times, but it bears repeating. You ever notice what you don't see when you watch the college football playoff when we get into one of the biggest money makers for college football? The NCAA. You don't see the NCAA logo. You don't hear about the NCAA. They have nothing to do with it. The NCAA runs all the other championships, including at Division II and Division Three. but it's about the college football playoff, the branding of that. The NCAA, never hear from them. That's very much a different case when it comes to the NCAA basketball tournament. You can miss the tournament last year, and of course, this is when it all began. March 12th, when the sports world shut down, we're coming off Syracuse, North Carolina, that game in the ACC tournament. Tom Hanks gets coronavirus. President Trump addressed the nation for the first time, specifically kind of addressing that it was an issue. Rudy Gobert, like it, it was an insane 24-hour period. The NCAA tournament, they were discussing in that moment, having the tournament without fans, we quickly found out like, no, we got to just shut this down. So you can take the hit from that once. You cannot do it twice. And that is not just my opinion. Dana O'Neill of The Athletic, we've had Dana on a bunch. He's one of the best college basketball writers out there, spoke with Dan Gabbitt. He is the NCAA vice president of men's basketball. And Dana asks a lot of smart questions. I think Dan actually gave some pretty honest answers about how they're trying to find their way through this. How's the selection committee going to factor in leagues that may not have non-conference play? Like the Pac-12 shut down not only football, but all fall sports until January 1st. That means no non-conference games. But it is this part, at the end of the article that Dana wrote on The Athletic, that was the bell ringer. This was, you want to talk about a walk-off shot in an article. And I'll just read it to you briefly. This is the question from Dana to Dan Gabbitt, vice president of NCAA basketball, who was even asked about this, but has taken a leadership role that has not been there in football. He actually can coordinate, kind of be the guy that people look to, can be, in essence, an Adam Silver, a Gary Bettman, a Rob Manfred, a commissioner, somebody making decisions, as opposed to the great collection the brat pack, if you will, of college presidents that are trying to figure out how to go forward in football. 
So Dana asked this question of Dan Gavin. Everybody talks about the finances of losing the tournament, but the need to go beyond that is more than just money, right? In terms of the psyche of the players and coaches and the continuity of the sport. Here's how Dan answers that question. Correct. We absolutely have to play the tournament. That's his mind frame. That's his answer. That's his insight here on August the 12th. It's not a detailed plan because there's still things that have to be filled in on that, but at least it's a decision. At least it's some authority. At least it's, look, we got to play this thing. We will play this thing. There's more of a definitive answer at that sport than football has given in this entire five-month period that they've been trying to figure out. They all agreed that they wanted to play, that they need to play, that if they can play, given the health and safety of these student-athletes, that they would do it. But we're talking about $660 million. That's what they lost. That was out the window when they didn't have the NCAA tournament last year. So football is one thing. The money is certainly important. The television money, the structure of it. There is almost no sport tied to one event more than basketball. They've got to play that NCAA tournament. I know it's August 13th, and we're way into the future here and trying to project what's going to happen next week, let alone that many months from now, is just a foolish exercise these days. But football, it's a little more... There's Each league has its own television deal. They can play, and if this league plays, that league... Basketball may be in the same boat, but without fans and without some traditional sources of revenue coming and they'll be on TV and they'll get some money but if they don't play that tournament that's a disaster it was last year if they don't play the tournament two years in a row I don't even want to think about that and neither does anybody involved in college basketball but I thought that was a very good article a very good interview if you, if you have a subscription to The Athletic which you should frankly read it but that point at the end like all this other stuff that we've discussed is great dana but we absolutely have to play the tournament and not just for financial reasons for a number of reasons 437-7644 if you want to join again if we get any news out of the acc president's meeting we will let you know our next guest will certainly have some insight on all of this Wes Durham from the ACC Network joins us next around the block ESPN Radio. And he is somebody you can watch and listen to weekdays on the ACC Network. Packer and Durham, you can hear him calling games on the ACC Network, the voice of the Atlanta Falcons as well. Always a pleasure to welcome the great Wes Durham on the block ESPN Radio. Wes, how are you, bud? I'm great, Brent. Anytime. I'm always happy to join you, my man. So it's been an interesting time, for sure, as we watch the Big Ten and the Pac-12 shut it down, and the ACC, SEC, and Big 12 say, eh, we're not so sure yet. So, boy, it, what kind of decision is the ACC facing here? Because they all have the same data, they've all been hearing the same things, 
But it, it 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 feels like the only thing we don't know, Wes, it, right now, is we don't know. Right? <laughs> it seems. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it, you're exactly right, and and it's the unknown, and it's been the unknown since March the twelfth. I mean, let's be honest, right? I mean, not a lot has changed from the perspective when you know the night, the day after the Orange pounded Carolina in the ACC tournament. It you know not a lot has moved, and the reality of it, Brent, is is that we're kind of in, in from a sport perspective, unless you've got better than $100 million like the NBA does or, you know, some fraction of that for MLS or, or WNBA over in Bradenton, there's not a lot of answers to this. Um, you know, and when it comes back to college sports, it, you know, it, it's funny. I, I said this to somebody the other day, and I didn't really listen to myself when I said it. We've got a lot more questions about college sports now than we did when the pandemic hit, right. you know? I mean, we got a lot of questions about not just this year, but what about the next five years? What about name, image, and likeness? What about Power 5 stability as opposed to the NCAA structure? Um you know, how confident are you? What about player rights? I mean, think about the student-athletes and the powerful voice they've carried, um, you know, since since March the 12th. I, you know, it, it, this is going to be interesting to see. And, look, I think the ACC, and, you know, and I texted you this earlier, I think they're going to try and play. But at some point, you have to you have to cross the bridge. you got to put the ball on the tee and say, okay, we're going to go for this. Personally, I was surprised the Big Ten and Pac-12 made the decision they did and the time they did, I think really they're jumping the gun. They don't want to even start practice because, you know, their medical people are saying that you can't mitigate the spread of it in that kind of situation. I think ACC institutions want to try and get students back on campus. That was the feeling I had on Monday when I talked to, you know, two school administrators then. Let's get students back on campus and let's see what we can do then. The coaches are as concerned about the general population on campuses as I think they are anything else. Manny Diaz was with us yesterday, has great trust and faith that his players understand the you know, the the very thin line that you're going to walk here this fall. Uh, I think most coaches do now that they've had their players back for, you know, in some cases two months. But you get those presidents in a room, those chancellors in a room, like Dr. Severud at Syracuse, anything goes. And that's the important thing to remember. These are These are chief executives that run these institutions who have to make decisions not only for the, quote, $4 billion of, football business, but they have to make decisions based on the billions of dollars that could be that university or, or institution's business as well. Wes, I've been struck by the student-athlete part of this, as, as you uh, referenced there a moment ago, because I think the skepticism is fair to say that, hey, 18 to 22-year-old kids are going to follow protocols and they're going to socially distance. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it, you're in college. It, it, the great chef from South Park once said, there's a time and a place for everything. It's called <laughs> college, right? Yeah. But I think yeah. these players get it. I think they understand, like, if you want to do what you love to do, if you want to play football, that's what you have to do. You have to discipline yourself. You have to exist in a bubble as much as you can on a college campus situation. Have you got that impression, too, that these athletes, not that they, they weren't serious about it before, but I think, by and large, they understand how responsible they have to be if they're going to do what they want to do. Brent, I think what Manny Diaz said to Mark and I yesterday on the show has resonated with me more than just about anything else. And he said, everybody on this team, he said, and it's not just players, it's everybody. We all have a mission, and our bubble is ourselves. And we need, in order to protect 
our team, we have to respect our own bubble, right? And he said, whether you're the whether you're the first guy on the team or the last guy on the team, or you're somebody involved as a trainer, or you're somebody involved in coaching or whatever, you're helping the next person by keeping yourself healthy and safe. And to me, if every football team has that approach, we got a chance to play the season. Now, um, do we have that chance if you know if you know, we get four or five games into the season and a guy realizes he's not going to play very much and all of a sudden he ends up being the, you know, lead social king, you know, on Marshall Street in Syracuse? I don't know that. Um, you know, and so he comes off Marshall Street and the next day he goes into the meeting room and he may carry the virus into that meeting room, right? And that's where you've got to understand that no matter what your role is within the framework of the team, be it football, soccer, whatever the case may be, you play an important part in the success of that team this season, and that's not always been the case. But I do think with what you said is probably correct. I think at some places it's it's maybe kind of sunk in a little better than it has in the past for sure. I've also been struck from Trevor Lawrence on down west, mm. the players that have said, look, if you opt out, we respect that. And it's almost been the players, Tommy DeVito said this on a Zoom yeah. call the other day, a few other players like, we respect your decision if you do that. Tomorrow could be a big day for that because the NCAA is ruling on eligibility and scholarships, and yeah. that could answer a lot of questions for a lot of people. So we're getting a clear picture from what the presidents decide today, and tomorrow is also really going to move the meter one way or the other. Well, the NCAA is more likely to enact some policy or something that puts more financial responsibility on its membership without supplying its membership with any of the financials. Right. You know, exactly. I mean, this this whole thing about the waiver year and then the testing protocol, did, did they supply any money to let these schools? I mean, because the reason that these FCS conferences in D2 and D3 aren't moving forward, Brett, because they can't afford to meet the protocol. They cannot afford to to do the testing that the NCAA wants to set up. So why in the world the NCAA make the rule to start with? They know the membership can't afford it. They essentially shut down the back end of their organization from fall sports. I mean, but yeah, that, that's a, another story for another time. But I do think we're going to find out about the immediate waiver. Um, and yeah, there there could be some surprising developments. I mean, I you know this is 2020. Do you expect anything normal to happen? No. I don't. Not no. not between now and New Year's Eve for sure. <laughs> yeah, I hope uh, on New Year's Eve. Like, there's just some grand magic wand waved, and it truly is a new year, and we go back to some normal. But um, You're looking for the old Mickey Mouse Fantasia Act? Is that boom, what you're hoping for? There you go. Great. Yeah. I, was, I was searching for some kind of analogy there. You nailed it right there. So, in the meantime, I was saying this to somebody, the great Paulie Sibili, who you know, before uh, oh, we went, yeah. we went yeah. on the air. If not by land, certainly not by air. <laughs> not by air at all. But yeah, that's right. He's like, what do you think? And I'm like, Paulie, I... I have to think anything can happen, and that's about a lot of things in life, but particularly what's going on in the ACC and with football, with college sports at this point, as we talk with the great West Durham here on ESPN Radio Syracuse. So, and boy, this take could expire rather quickly, Wes, but I'll ask it anyway. Let's let's talk football. Let's let's sure. let's live in a world where football plays. Syracuse is going into a really interesting spot in that they had a disappointing 5-7 and seven season. They've got two new coordinators. One is more in lockstep in terms of what Dino Babers does than the other. Tony White is completely reinventing the defense while Sterling Gilbert is pretty much in lockstep with, with Dino. But if football plays September 12th, North Carolina, what's the expectation for Syracuse football on that day? 
Well, and Tony Gibson, as I understand, it's going to bring the three-three-five with him, right? Which is more of a structure that I think fits today's college football than uh, than maybe what we've seen, you know, recently. I, I think it's interesting for me because in doing the NFL on Sundays, I see a lot of teams that are moving to three-three-five as their base look, right? And I think that's kind of more of the fit in college football. But you got to have personnel to do it, and obviously they feel like they can do it right now. Uh, you're right about Gilbert. I think that's a that's a fabulous move by Coach, and, and one I'm excited to see develop because I, I thought Tommy DeVito lost his confidence a little bit last year, Brent, to be honest with you. Um, and certainly when you get hit like he did, I think that, that has something to do with it. But at the same time, too, uh, Eric Wood, who worked on our package and, and did sidelines and a great job for us, said, you know, I want to see him put his foot in the ground and fire it through a guy, you know. And when you throw it off your back foot or you're throwing it on the run or you feel like you got a four a play sometimes it can be difficult but yeah you go to chapel hill on opening weekend and you know what you're going to get and that's number seven in the light blue hat on a three to five step drop and he's got at least three guys he can throw it to brown newsome and bo corrales probably going to have a tight end who's productive and they bring 10 starters back on offense so to my way of thinking while Syracuse's defense might be better, they're going to be strongly challenged that night. But at the same time, too, Carolina is going to be in a defensive rebuild with Jay Bateman where they're just trying to get a little better from Mac Brown. And it's hard to do when you're going to take on a team that can be as explosive and run the ball and throw the ball like Syracuse can. And, and let's be honest, that's where the offense and that's where the football team's fortunes probably have to change is with Gilbert on that side of the ball calling plays and, and Dino putting those things in motion for DeVito to be successful and get off to a good start. I think it's an interesting matchup in week one or week one of what we know is the season conference-wise because I think it, it puts the onus on the two sides of the ball where the most experience lies with those two teams. Wes, a big reason I want to see this season is I want to see a 10-game conference schedule. This could be a case of yeah. be careful what you wish for. Yeah. We might not go back to the old way because this could be well, pretty fun. It could be and this is where the traditionalist and, and you knew I grew up in the league so this is uh, these are kind of the boilerplate arguments my dad and I used to have right? I mean you know the biggest argument we ever had was 9 to 12 in expansion and my mom cleared the kitchen but um, <laughs> you know the, the, other, the other thing that I think has been on the verge of happening is going to happen this year and that's we've taken down the division walls right? And when you add the two more conference games and I'll be honest with you, I was surprised. I was really surprised because when you throw 10 up there, people like it. Fans like it. The media likes it. Your media partners like it, right? Um, and it's hard to go back, Brent, to be honest with you. And, and let's be, you know, let's, let's go ahead and, and throw the other card on the table. Heck, you got Notre Dame in this deal now. If you go back to eight, are you going back to eight to then entice the Irish potentially as a football member? I I wouldn't say that's a bad idea. Hey, Notre Dame, you want to play your longstanding rivals of Navy, Stanford, and Southern California, and we'll give you the option to you know, go spend the yarn with Michigan or Georgia or whoever you want to play in a non-conference situation, and we'll keep it at eight. I, this gets really, really interesting. And here's the other thing, too. If you play without divisions, Brent, you can play football – and not have to worry about adding a 16th school. See, if you keep divisions, then you don't. Then you've got to say, okay, well, Notre Dame, you're going to come in the league, and by the way, we're going to add State U or whoever, right? It, it makes things a lot cleaner 
to entice Notre Dame to potentially join. Now, I'm speculating on the Notre Dame thing, but I do believe the division walls coming down has a chance to stay. Look, I remember when they didn't put divisions in basketball and we had divisions in football, and people in the league went, well, why don't we have divisions in basketball? Well, because the basketball coaches didn't want them, quite frankly. And really, when they put divisions together, they thought it was going to be Florida State and Miami every year, and we've yet to have the damn matchup. So, you know, I think it's okay if we don't have divisions moving forward in ACC football. By the way, that new schedule, it's spaced out nicely, but uh, Syracuse's road slate Yikes. Clemson, Carolina, <laughs> Notre Dame. <laughs> they were already going to Pitt, which was a tough place to go, and Louisville was supposed to be here, and they flipped yeah. it around to go there. So, uh, yeah. yeah. As John Wildhack said on this show, Wes, uh, you have to be six feet apart. I was 25 feet apart from Coach Babers when I informed him of, of that new road slate he's got. Well, and, and here's the other thing, too. If he's heard me on your show, I'm pr- I'm probably going to get a text at some point going, why are you why are you on there telling everybody the offense is going to be this or that, you know, whatever. But you're right. I, the, the road schedule is a task. I look at Virginia's road and Syracuse's road as arguably the two toughest in the ACC this year. And if we only end up playing the 10 league games, Brent, Syracuse and Virginia, those those road tests are going to be enormous when you look at them. I did say to John, I'm like, isn't Severu the president of the ACC board here? Couldn't, couldn't, <laughs> that's a you problem if you couldn't work that out. He, he fell on the sword on that one. Yeah, exactly. And and you know what? He is the president of the board of directors, so so maybe next time he gets to draw two cards rather than one at some there point, right? Go. There you go. Yeah. It all comes around. Wes, <laughs> uh, last thought from you, uh, from an NFL perspective, of course, being the voice of the Falcons. Uh, through all of this, through every yeah. question that's come up, I've just said the NFL is going to find a way. I still feel that way, even about a month away from the season happening. When you look at it, how the NFL is handling, where they're going through, do you do you agree with that? Do you feel like maybe they, they'll have to you know shorten the season or whatever? But I just feel like we're watching NFL football in the fall without a doubt. I think we have a better chance there, Brent, and, and here's why. I think that the ills and forgivings of Major League Baseball are going to be examined by the National Football League and its players. I think, you know, the Marlins celebrate the end of the preseason, whatever that was, two games or whatever, and they spend the night in a in a club in Atlanta and look what happens, right? Um, so I think, yeah, I think the NFL guys understand. I think the coaches – and the other part about it, too, is they all had the chance to get out, right? And, and when the NFL moved the opt-out date up – you know, they kind of said, hey, look, if you want to give this a go, you need to give it a go. And I, I'm not crazy enough to think we're going to go through a season where somebody's not going to get it. But I do believe that the National Football League, they're not going to put the $100-plus into the bubble like the NBA has, but they're going to give themselves a chance to stage a season. It's going to be different for fans. It's going to be different for radio broadcasts like ours. And I was talking to Eric Wood yesterday uh, in Louisville, who, of course, works with Murph on the Bills, and we all understand it's going to be different. But I think the NFL is going to try and give this a go, and they haven't stopped. See, they, they've done all the, the protocols and processes, Brent, but they haven't stopped thinking about making it successful. The college game, and, and this has been discussed ad nauseum along with the other things about the lack of leadership, and I really do think lack of leadership has hurt the coalition of the Power Five conferences in Notre Dame, but I think it's hurt the college game in, in total, to be honest with you. And, and I'm I'm of the belief now that we've got to find somebody to run college football and somebody to run college basketball in the new world we're living in. 
Wes, always appreciate your time and your insight, my friend. We'll see what happens here when the ACC presidents come out of their meeting and where we go from here. And as you said, it's 2020. we got to expect anything. But uh, yeah. appreciate the time today. We'll definitely catch up down the road. You call me anytime, Brent. It's always fun to visit with you. Take care. Be well, okay?